0: Well, hello world, I've actually retired to my sitting room and I'm just sitting here just quietly contemplating life in the universe, looking at the rain absolutely pissing down. I'm like, for God's sake, can there be any more? I mean, I have never, ever known a winter this wet. It just makes everything pure misery, doesn't it? Like just hard work, relentlessly wet and too hot, too cold. It's just no good for anyone. So I thought I would just do a little catch up. Um, I did a couple of podcast type things and I've sort of listened back to them and there are bits in them that I like, bits that I don't. So I thought I'd just sort of pick out the things that I liked about them. I hadn't posted them, um, and put it all together really. And and just give you sort of updates on what what we've been doing. Um, I think this week has been remarkably tough on many levels because we've sort of, I've known for a while, obviously we had sick and um, Sid and Pluto were sick in December. And then we gradually went through the whole barn, but the bloods had been normal. It was remiss of me not to keep running bloods. Because this time they got airway infection and then viral and coughing, which was different to what I've had before. Um, I was shocked to find some of the blood still viral on the Pluto and Bertie this week. Jolene's been under the weather. We thought she was viral, but she's not. Jolene's a whole different kettle of fish. I think Jolene's been very affected by the... And it's going to sound absolutely mental... Um, the amount of birds we have living in the stables that she was in um, and the barn I had the racehorses in. I, I'd go out in the morning to feed at half five, and there'd just be lines of sparrows on the stable partitions of those five outside boxes. And they have front and back door openings, big roof vents going up where they all seem to be nesting. So we're going to have to put nets up in the stables under the roof fence they can't get in there to nest but the amount of bird poo they were pooing in her feed manger in in the water buckets she actually got what a bird crapped on her face and it caused a burn like a, a quite a, and it got bigger and bigger the patch of skin and fur that came off of her face um and i think she was really affected you know if you think how much air a horse takes in into its lungs at rest let alone when it's galloping it doesn't take much to irritate it's a long airway it doesn't take much to irritate it and I think with Jolene it went further than irritating her I think it made her properly under the weather and interestingly her bloods were normal her track wash didn't grow any bacteria but it had mucus in it highly like that's an allergic reaction it's allergens as opposed to a bacteria or virus um so anyway, I obviously had that in the back of my head before we even did the track wash and moved all the racehorses into the other barn where the old horses were. There are no birds in there at all, actually. Um, and if the swallows do nest, they nest on the outside. But nothing like the old barn where they nest everywhere. And the, I've never... It's funny, I was only saying a few months ago, oh, we don't see sparrows anymore. Oh, we do now because they all live here. They all live here. In that barn and in those stables. Um, And birds do carry different funguses around with them. Um, And I think it really does affect horse. Some horses are quite allergic. So it is what it is. We've moved them. And um, we'll see. Jolene's certainly a lot happier. But that's probably coincided with the past coming out of her foot. She's such a hardy mare. So hardy. Um, But she has been very un-Jolene-like, and that's how we knew she wasn't well, because she has been actually quite kind and cuddly and sweet and lying down, and you know, with Kenny and I, Jolene knows don't mess with them, you know, she'll see, oh, it's you two, yeah, I'll pick my foot up for you, yeah, no, you can put my rugs on without me taking your head off, yeah, I mean, occasionally when you try and readjust her saddle, she'll have a go at biting you, just Jolene, Jolene has always been the same, but when like with the other staff or the sunday staff it's like a game of where well, it's a sport for Jolene to hunt um, she reads people's energy and she loves it the minute she knows she's got you scared she will capitalize on that and she just exploits it and that's just her and i think we don't give enough credit to a horses ability to read energy um and the horse's ability to understand how people are feeling and their, their reaction to our energy. Um, some, like Jolene, love a bit of sport. Some get scared if they know the rider or the person handling them scared and they misbehave even more. Um, some take so much comfort from somebody who's calm. Well, nearly all horses take comfort from somebody who's calm, relaxed, laid back. You know, I I've seen horses come right back down to earth when somebody takes over handling them who isn't scared by them. All of a sudden, the horses. You know, you see in a lot of these videos, a lot of these videos where somebody will go to a bad loader, a horse that won't go on a horse box, and the owner's really struggling, and the guy takes the horse, and within five minutes the horse is loading itself, or, or maybe an hour sometimes. I don't know. Once that horse realizes that the person handling it is not, A, not scared, B, not going to lose their temper, and C, can read its body language and put themselves in the correct position for that horse to have nothing but correct instruction. The horse then goes, ah, oh, relax. Yeah, I'll go on that horse folks Yeah, all you have to do is ask. It's the owners that need teaching how to do it, not the horse. And it's interesting talking to... Owners of racehorses. I've got a fantastic owner. He's been with me for years and years, and every horse I've trained for him's one. He is the nicest man. He is an accountant. He's incredibly black and white. He has certain sires he approves of, certain breeding he approves on of in horses. He absolutely a hundred percent can't entertain if a horse isn't bred. Like say, say um, Mr. Fitzroy, Mr. Fitzroy, for, for example, he was by a sprinting stallion, Kalachi. He'd only ever run up to a mile on the flat. And when I got Mr. F, Tony's like, well, you can't run that over hurdles. He's he's a sprinter. I well, see he's not a sprinter. His dam's got stamina, Tony, and he loves soft ground. No, 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 that'll never stay. I know he will. So anyway, he won three and placed about 10. But every time he won, Tony's like, oh, I should never win a race over hurdles. He's not bred to do it. I'm like, but he doesn't know that. You know, so he's very black and white. And Tony was really interesting. He loves his horses, loves his horses and dotes on them. And it's really interesting how even somebody who loves horses so much, you from from my point of view with owners, you forget they love their horses, but they don't understand their horses particularly because they don't speak horse. You know, not many people do speak horse and and don't understand that some horses prefer being ridden one way and other horses prefer being ridden another. Some are tough street fighters that never give in and fight to the death racing, not to the death, literally, but, you know, give everything they've got. Others are far more restrained and prefer everything to be their own way for them to actually give their true running. And if it's not going their own way, then they will curl up and just give up, you know, and every horse is so different. It's so, Hard to explain to people how it doesn't matter that one might have more ability, but that one's got more will to win, or that one might have a wind problem, but it's so tough you don't, you don't realize it has a wind problem that one might have um a tiny little bit of a win problem like ten percent or something that you know probably wouldn't affect most horses, but all of a sudden that horse won't face you know run through it because. You know, that tiny little bit of an issue is enough for it not to feel comfortable. So they're just like people, just like people. You know, Jolene is as tough and hard to have that much pus in her foot. She should have been walking about like she had a broken leg. You know how they go when they have pus in the foot. Oh, my God, my leg's broken. But no, like she is as hard as nails. And then you get another one that might tread on a stone and get a bruise. Oh, my foot's falling off. I can't, I'm in agony, you know? Um, So they're so different. Every horse is so different. And you, when you've worked with that many, for that many years, you get a reading. You know, when we first started with Cooper and he properly buried Kenny the first time, the first time she jumped him, neither of us saw it coming. Literally, he jumped, he landed and he went, get off and he fired her head first at the fence. And just lost his brain. And Ken's like, oh, he's a dirty bugger. He's, he's a, you know, dirty, that was dirty. And I'm like, it's fear, you know. And it, it was pure fear, but you can see how easy that would be to interpret as being nasty. And, you know, it, he he's really improving. It's a very slow process, very slow process. And he's, a, and I said to him, he, it doesn't compute with how kind... And generous and kind he is as a pony to handle on the ground. How lovely he is to hack. How just beautifully he is to do you know flat work with. Until you know the switch goes in his brain when he's got fear. That's when he he behaves badly. And it's pure total loss terror. The more I do with him, the more I wonder if he was wrapped or he got a pulse up to in his legs. Not pointing any fingers. I don't know. I can't change the past. I knew he had an issue with poles when I bought him. It was a very, oh, yeah, well, he's a bit difficult in the the school. Every day, it's like he's never seen a pole. Didn't really take it on board because I've never, ever, ever, ever had one that I haven't been able to get jumping except this lad. And we can get him jumping, but every day you go back out, it's the same thing. Pure fear. But the good thing, we've got to the point now, Ken can put her leg on, and when he's saying, I'm not sure, he doesn't lose his brain. So she can actually put her leg on and ride him forward and know that he's not going to land, bronc and bury her, which is fair play to Ken, you know, because it's not nice. Um, But he he, that is a complete contradiction to the pony he is. So a fright or fear had to have caused this behavior. There is no malice in what he does. And 99 times out of 100, there is no malice in horses when they're misbehaving. (laughs) As I've said, it's either they're, t- you know, they're either dickheads who like to play and that's just them or they're in pain or something has caused it. And similar thing in races, you know, a horse can have a really hard race and win. And then they sometimes they never perform again. Sometimes you that's as good as they're ever going to be because they have run through the pain barrier to win that race given everything they've got, they don't want to do it again. You know, they don't forget. They absolutely do not forget. So I think it's really important to recognise when you've reached a point with a horse that, like I did, I I had with Sid, my gut instinct with Sid was, stop, he's not enjoying it. He's You know, because he'd never had a wind problem before. He never made noise in his races. We've since found out as well as his injections, we are going to do his wind. So that's really good. He's got every chance of coming back to race, you know, but Sid was showing me in different ways. He wasn't enjoying it. Now I thought he wasn't enjoying it because he's a soft bugger and quite laid back and, you know, doesn't really like to exert himself, but actually, you know, he was sound, but he was sore and he couldn't push and, I don't think his wind was great either, but the silent one that, you know, probably what, 30% of horses don't make a noise, but yet their windpipe windpipe will shut down when the soft palate displaces. And, you know, they're almost suffocating and then the palate goes back in place and sometimes you don't even hear a gulp or a gurgle. Sometimes it just stops them. Um, And it's hard to ask a jockey because, you know, they're not going to hear everything. I know when we're going up our gallop here, sometimes you can hear... Than breathing beautifully if the wind's going in one direction, and other times you've just got a face full of wind the whole way up and you can't hear a thing. Um, and I think training a good horse like Jimmy, Jimmy might have been the most difficult horse to start with. Once we sorted him, oh god, what a pleasure to train. What a pleasure. He doesn't sweat up, he doesn't get stressed, he doesn't jig jog, he doesn't worry. He does his work, he comes in, he eats his food, he eats his dinner. He, yeah, I can do that. Yep, I can do that. And he is a machine. And to have, like they do say, good horse trains itself. Touch wood, he's sound. All right, he's had his little dislocated rib. God knows how that happened. Anyway, he's had his first counter back today and was absolutely fine. But he's just very, very straightforward. Same as Gerald. If Gerald hadn't had his atrial fibrillation, we bought him as a three year old broke him, and he's made of iron that horse his legs oh fantastic, joints fantastic wind, just probably his palate went a little bit um at the end before his last bout of atrial fibrillation, so we put a tongue tie on um but absolutely made of iron, sound as a pound if he hadn't had his heart issues, what a pleasure to train. You know, you forget how easy it is to train a horse that is tough and hard, and, you know, its joints cope, his legs cope, his brain copes, his belly copes, you know, everything copes with work. It eats. The more they eat, the more you can train them. They don't get stressed, they don't worry, you know, it's just so much easier. When you're trying to train a horse who you can't really get enough food into, They're a bit weak. They're a little bit, you know, scared of life. Not scared of life, but just they've got to find their way. And you can't rush it. Sometimes it takes a while until everything falls into place. And they're like kids at school. Sometimes some come later than others. And it's really hard because you get to a point with the young horse and you think, great, we're really going the right way. And you tell the owners, yeah, we're heading in the right direction. And then all of a sudden that horse maybe has plateaued and they go backwards. So you have to stop. You know, they 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 get to a point where they're overloaded. They need time. They need to process. They need to grow. They need their body to catch up. And they tell you and you have to stop. You have to give them time. And it's really hard because then Lona said, well, you did say it'd be running in a month. I'm like, well, I didn't see this coming. You know, you've got to go at the horse's pace. And they, they do tell you. Um, and every horse is different. And some, like Pluto, I kept saying to them when we bought Pluto, oh, he won't be running for at least three years. But we had to start working him because he was so um, wrong behind. He just didn't move great. So we had to start doing flat work. And then we started cantering. And we had to make him use himself. And then we'd do a bit more because he was quite fresh. And, oh, he cope with that. So we do a bit more. Oh, my God, he's coping with everything. All of a sudden, you're galloping a horse that you thought would want another year. And he's thriving and he's tough and he's hard and he's taking it all in his stride. Unfortunately, the viral thing affected his wind a bit. So he had a wind up, but he's it's done him good to have a break. He's back. He eats everything you put in front of him. Every gallop he does, he gets better, you know. And then you've got a little horse like Bertie, who you think will come to hand really quickly. But he just hasn't thrived. So they're, they're all so different. Um And it's so important to sort of listen to them and try and train them for them. And let's face it, you know, we don't have 100 horses. What have we got, 11, 12? So everyone's important. And when you have like a little virus go through like we've had, it's quite tough because you feel like everything's wrong at once. But actually, it's just given us a chance for a reset. And reset we have and in the next couple of weeks, suddenly everything will turn around. Laura the Sod, Ken's got some time off. Then I'm going skiing at the end of March. And everything will be ready to run and it will just be chaos. But, you know, I'd rather that. I've got goodness, good enough staff. They can cope with that. Um, so, yeah, let's hope onwards and upwards. And let's hope things really start improving. Because I think we're about to do a break now. Ah, anyway, I think I better go and do some work in the office. All oh, very well sitting here doing bugger all. But... Anyway, yeah, have a good rest of your day.